Uh, welcome back, everyone. Uh, another blockchain episode uh, with my favorite blockchain expert, Prosper Mwedzi, who's a financial services lawyer in the UK. Uh, we had him on earlier this year uh, to talk about his um, the bill he's championing, uh, the cryptocurrency and blockchain technology private bill. But today he's joining me on something different because I'm a bit of a novice when it comes to uh, cryptos and the patterns in the market uh, when the price goes up and down. Uh, so yeah, Prosper, how are you? Uh, I'm good, Valentine. Thanks very much for having me back. Uh, it's good to come here and uh, exchange knowledge again. I don't think it's fair to say exchange knowledge. You're going to be teaching the knowledge, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'll start off the gate with um, basically what does, you know, when we see Bitcoin, you know, going up and going down, what what factors? Let's take last week's dip with slump just below 30,000 US dollars to one Bitcoin. Um, and now it's at 36,207. So what, what, what in, in, in the general context, taking last week away, but in the general context, what causes Bitcoin's price to fluctuate uh, besides cryptos being quote unquote volatile? Yeah, I think uh, it, it is difficult to pin it down to one single uh, reason. I think uh, most of it is a combination of reasons. Uh, and uh, for me, I think from my perspective, uh, this market is still quite young. Uh, it's still not mature. Uh, you've got quite a lot of new players who are coming in and old players who are coming out. Uh, and with the old players, especially with that uh, astronomical price increase, which we've witnessed uh, over the past 12 months. Uh, this has meant um, those who entered early have realized some sensible gains to be able to get out of the market and realize that their profits. Uh, and you still have those who uh, believe uh, the value is still going to go up and those tend to not get shaken even when price goes up a lot or when price goes down, they keep holding because for the long term, uh, they have a strongly held belief that uh, where the price is now in the market uh, is still a small drop of where it will end up. Uh, but as, as, as some people realize those kind of gains, especially when we are, we are looking at institutions, for example. Some of them, uh, I can talk of uh, one of the UK companies uh, which exited. Uh, I, I, I can't remember the name now, uh, but it's it's the only biggest UK company. I think it's called Rufus, Rufus Investments. Uh, they, uh, they, they realized uh, nearly a billion from their initial investment of... Uh, uh, I think they invested 600 million into Bitcoin. Uh, this was around late last year. So if you think about it for funds like that, which is a hedge fund, uh, if they make gains that ridiculous in such a small space of time, they want to book those profits. They want to realize rather than simply have gains which are on paper. Uh, and they don't want the uncertainty of them ending up maybe with less what they were worth. So they, they tend to get out. And when they get out, uh, looking at that amount of money, uh, if they entered with 
600 million, for example, and they've made a billion in profit, that means they are taking out 1.6 billion worth of Bitcoin out of uh, the system. And this causes a lot of volatility as they sell. Uh, and I, I think that's part of the reason. But you also have uh, to understand the distribution metrics for, for Bitcoin. Uh, because before everyone else knew about it, before it became mainstream, they are miners. They are miners who were mining Bitcoin and earning a lot of it uh, by simply using your household computer. And as a result, they've accumulated a substantial amount of Bitcoin because mining 1,000 Bitcoins wasn't a really difficult task at all. Back then, uh, you would probably mine 1,000 Bitcoins uh, in maybe in a, in a month uh, or something like that uh, because the, the, the difficulty of mining was still very, very low which is why you could use your own home computer or a laptop. You could mine Bitcoin. So these people accumulated it when mining was still really easy. But then the, the resulting problem it presents is that there are quite a few wallet addresses which hold a ridiculous amount of Bitcoin, which means when they sell on the market, they can easily bring the prices down. So until that distribution uh, is evenly spread globally uh, between people who are not holding, uh, say, a thousand Bitcoin for themselves, then we should be able to start seeing the level of volatility going down. And also that will get helped by uh, institutions who, uh, who buy uh, and hold over long term. And uh, that, 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 that can help because when another institution buy whilst the other one is selling, then you are not going to have so much volatility. So I would say part of the reason for that volatility, which we've seen in the past few months, was uh, most most investors realizing their profits, booking their profits because they've seen a, a, a big drop in the price and that forces the price to keep going down because everyone starts thinking, well, is it going to go lower? And some think, well, I might as well sell now and then buy more Bitcoin when the price goes down. So it's those kind of, that kind of thinking is what uh, I think contributed to it. But I also think uh, there was a bit of manipulation of prices there, uh, though I don't have good evidence to back it up. Uh, the way the prices dropped seemed to coincide with what happened in China with mining getting banned in China. Uh, and for those who don't know mining, that is the process in which new Bitcoins come into circulation. Um, if you, if you, if you have a computer which has the good hardware, if you have the hardware now, it's, it's, it's almost impossible to mine with a normal computer. So people use GPUs, uh, big, big, uh, you know, uh, computer, um, microchips on them, which enable uh, industrial mining. So in China, that's the place where most of the Bitcoin has been getting mined because the Chinese ran with this very fast. And most of the people may have heard the narrative that uh, Bitcoin is controlled by China. Uh, that's come out a few times, especially in the US. So uh, I, I would say because of that, 
you had a, you had some players who were based in China trying to cash out quickly uh, or possibly doing it deliberately so that they can force the price down and buy it cheaper. Uh, so I, I think I, I would think that that is one of the reasons, uh, the major reason which triggered this, but I don't think it is the main, main cause on itself. Uh, and also, you, yeah, like I said, the market had gone up too much. At some point, it needed to correct so that uh, if there is a resumption going up again, uh, it can happen uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the right way. Okay, so it's like Bitcoin's legitimization through hedge funds and Wall Street and MasterCard and Visa, and PayPal kind of came with a double-edged sword that you're inviting people into a niche sort of, uh, you know, segment of the financial services, but they're bringing in their financial muscle. So in essence, if they buy up, uh, like we've seen when, uh, usually in farming, when, when there's a glut of grain and, you know, they just swamp the market and the price just plummets because it's, um, there's too much of it, you know, there's too much supply for the demand that's available. So the price just goes down. So it's kind of, I don't know, the roundabout way of saying um, it was a blessing and a curse to have these these big players come into, you know, uh, cryptocurrency. Yeah, I, I would agree as well with that. Uh, they, I think that's uh, yeah, part of, uh, it, it, it backs up some of what I've already said, uh, because these players come in with a lot of money and uh, Bitcoin right now, the market capitalization is still very small. Uh, if you have an asset with a market capitalization of 1 billion, because Bitcoin, I mean 1 trillion, uh, mm. Bitcoin at some point had gone just above 1 trillion. I think it reached a high of around 1.2 trillion mm. uh, in market cap, which is all the money invested in Bitcoin currently. Um, so if you have one player coming in uh, and putting in 1.5 billion, mm. and then you have another pl- big player put, putting in an equal amount of money, uh, like what ma- what MicroStrategy has been doing, you you end up with uh, probably uh, around 20% of the supply held by institutions. And when they sell part of it, uh, you, you, the, the, the shocks are felt everywhere. Uh, and, and, and at the same time, that sell on itself also fuels retail customers to join in. And then all of a sudden, uh, it becomes a, a, a crash rather than uh, a controlled sell. Um, so yeah, the, the institutions have been good in joining it uh, and endorsing it, uh, but they've also been a, a bad, uh, bad phenomenon. Uh, and maybe, maybe as more and more of them come in, and also as the market capitalization grows to become bigger, it means mm-hmm. when you are taking out 1.5 billion out of a market cap of say 10 trillion, then uh, the shocks are not going to be felt across the whole market. Yeah, okay. So you talk about market cap, but I just want to gloss over that quickly. Like market cap is something that I've seen on social media, people saying uh, Dogecoin has got a market cap of this. So, so basically, I hope I'm not incorrect in saying this market cap is the value of whatever currency is being spoken of or whatever amount is on the market, correct? Yeah, so when, uh, say, if if I create a coin right now 
uh, and I put in $10,000 into it, that becomes its market cap because that's how much money is invested in it. So as more investors put money in, uh, it means its value goes up. So as the value of one unit increases, uh, it means the when you are looking at all the coins which are in circulation uh, put up together, that's the valuation they will have. So it, it effectively reflects on the amount of money invested in that actual coin. Okay. So this this goes down more to the, the small-scale individual person who's trying to get into Bitcoin for the first time. Um, and then there are all these stories that, oh, no, you know, invest in Dogecoin or all, this, all the other altcoins. Um, they're relatively low. If they hit a dollar, you'll get X amount of money. Uh, but correct me if I'm wrong, the, the the number of coins on the market affects the value or the the maximum value that 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 coin can 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 hit correct yeah it does um which which is the reason why if you look at the market capitalization or i i can't say for bitcoin because bitcoin is the biggest market capitalization uh but if you take uh for example there was a time when xrp uh was this uh, third biggest cryptocurrency by market capitalization uh but uh the, its value was um was far much far much lower uh i mean the the, the market cap was big but the value per unit was lower because mm-hmm. i think um uh xrp has 100 billion coins in circulation mm-hmm. so that means uh it gets diluted because of the number of units which are out there which explains why bitcoin with um hard cap of 21 million and only just over 18 million in circulation now uh its value is uh now uh going i think it's getting closer to 37,000 dollars today mm-hmm. so it, it, it's because it's got fewer units in circulation which means if you uh, hold one unit uh its value is more and the more units get created, its value it starts to to be less because you've got too many out there, which is the same issue with Dogecoin. Dogecoin, uh, I think from my understanding, they, they create, uh, I, I can't be sure about that, that, but I think they create around 1 billion tokens every year, if I'm correct, because it's inflationary. They create new coins at a faster rate um, when when they mine it. So 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 that that means you 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 have in 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 the coming years, if the adoption rate is lower, if the adoption rate doesn't keep up, you are gonna end up with the price going down. So it needs to keep up with the supply which is coming in. It needs to be absorbed, uh, all of it. Mm, for it to Otherwise, if it does, yeah, if it doesn't get absorbed, we end up with the same situation we suffer from, uh, you know, fiat currencies because uh, governments print more money, uh, which reduces its uh, its value. Oh, okay. So you said uh, Bitcoin is a market cap of how much, or is a is a is a hard cap where it will eventually but, stop? Hard cap is twenty one million, and it's expected the last one should be mined around twenty forty five. 
because the the monetary system, the on-chain governance for mm-hmm. Bitcoin determines how much comes out into circulation every every year uh, or every 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 block every every new block which is created. Uh, the, the 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 computers doing it get rewarded uh in 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 bitcoin so they there's that four year housing which reduces uh how much come into circulation every four years so we we had the last one last year i think it was mid last year if you most people would have heard people talking about bitcoin housing that's what it was all about it's a reduction in the rewards which are given to miners because the code was written in a way that uh, every four years, those rewards are cut down, which means the supply coming in to the market immediately, uh, it gets reduced. And then after a short time after that halving happens, uh, the market reflects on that. Because if you have more new uh, participants coming in and buying when less is coming into circulation, you then end up with the price going up. Mm, so it just retains its value because there's there's a limited number of it, and in future there's going to be a limited num- a limited barrier where it can reach. So in essence, Bitcoin is it's it's the safest. Let's say if you want to start investing as as, as Zimbabwean or in Zimbabwe it's peer to peer, so people buy from one another. Uh, since we're not allowed yeah. exchanges, so it's it's probably wiser to invest in Bitcoin. It's more of a long term asset. Or is it correct to view it as a long term asset rather than the other altcoins, which like Dogecoin and, and uh, Ethereum and whatnot, um, where they're, they're doing well, but not necessarily at the same level. Yeah, um, people compare Bitcoin with uh, gold, so they liken it to digital gold because of its scarcity, uh, because they've tried to apply what is called the stock-to-flow model, which measures scarcity of an asset. Mm-hmm. This is used for gold as well. And they've used it on Bitcoin and it's more scarce than gold. So that's why you hear the gold narrative. Uh, but at the same time, Ethereum is also going to go through an upgrade in July, which will make it more scarce as well. Uh, but they already have a lot of Ethereum out there in circulation already. I think, uh, the last time I checked, there was, uh, I think 115 million Ethereum, 115. So uh, that that is a huge supply, and it's the second biggest uh, digital asset out there by market capitalization. So it's ranked next to Bitcoin, but which then takes us to that same point which we talked about earlier on when we were saying the more tokens you have out there, the then the lower the price per unit will be, uh, which explains why it's the second biggest. But in value today, I think it's just gone over $2,200 per, per Ethereum uh, token. So, uh, yeah, uh, that, 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 that's the thing uh, with these assets. But the thing with Ethereum, though, is that it's more useful than Bitcoin. Uh, you, you have many ecosystems which are being built on mm. top of Ethereum. Uh, so the idea of smart contracts uh, has, uh, has made it even more interesting uh, because you people are able to automate uh, some tasks, uh, especially when you look at uh, 
what is going on with what they are calling DeFi, which is decentralized finance. Uh, a lot of applications which are being built on top of the Ethereum blockchains, which they call DApps, uh, which enable different things. Uh, I'll give an example of uh, what could be relevant for us in Africa, crop insurance, for example. Mm. So you can have a smart contract on Ethereum, which uh, is triggered by uh, data inputs from uh, from a satellite, uh, which is uh, taking weather in, in that location. And when the weather shows that um, in, in Zimbabwe or in Chinoy, for example, there's been a drought, mm. uh, the satellite knows that because it has the weather data from it. So it's an independent way of verifying it without having someone coming on the ground. If you have a smart contract for insurance to pay a farmer who has insured their crops in Chinoy, that means uh, when the drought happens, the farmer doesn't even need to make a claim because the data is there to back it up. So you have all these applications which are now being built on Ethereum, which are very, very interesting, uh, and uh, with decentralized finance as well. So that's decentralized insurance, which I've talked about. Uh, you've got decentralized finance, which is enabling people to uh, invest. Uh, you can use stable coins to do things like stacking. When they talk about stacking, you think of stacking coins like you normally do with actual coins when you stack them up. But uh, this is done uh, programmatically using smart contracts. You stack them on a platform, on a digital platform, and they pay you rewards for doing that. And that's what is going to happen with Ethereum. It's moving to from because currently Ethereum uses proof of work. So proof of work is the same algorithm which is run on Bitcoin. So your computer performs a task. Uh, and it gets rewarded for doing that. So they're moving it from that mechanism to proof of stake, which is more environmentally friendly. You would have had probably the conversation about Bitcoin being um, energy intensive, destroying the planet and all that. Elon Musk and all that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's been a big debate in the past few days. Uh, But uh, with Ethereum moving into proof of stake, it means rather than you getting your computer to use energy to uh, confirm a transaction or to mine. Um, You can use a valid data on your mobile phone uh, by simply stacking the coins, stacking your Ethereum coins you you own onto your mobile phone uh, using the platform, any platform you, you can choose in the market. And by doing that, you are securing the network, uh, but you are securing it by showing that you've got skin in the game. So that makes you a trusted party. So the, the, this ecosystem, when when that happens, people who uh, will hold Ethereum, they will get rewarded. They say around 20% uh, rewards per, per annum. With more, you get 20% more Ethereum than what you are holding. So it's going to become a passive source of income. Uh, a lot of companies now are already uh, involved in this. They are stacking uh, in millions and uh, they are realizing it will be a big economy. So they are likening uh, Ethereum to like an e-commerce platform, which will be based um, on blockchain technology. 
uh, and uh, it, it is huge. I think f- if I were to choose between Bitcoin and Ethereum, I would probably go for Ethereum because uh, of its usefulness. Yeah, okay. But is, is it also wise to kind of look at these things as, as, as you can have both, but they fulfill different functions? Um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, diversification is good. Uh, but diversifying in Bitcoin now is a bit difficult because the price is too up there. Uh, so your returns, uh, you would have to be waiting for a bit longer to realize returns depending on how much capital you have. Uh, but for those with little capital, uh, maybe um, Ethereum could be something to look at uh, as uh, I think it, it holds a lot of potential. Uh, and uh, yeah, I yeah. think so. Because right. yeah, I, was, I was wondering, like trying to get into Bitcoin now would be you know, a little bit difficult. Um, and the, the altcoins, um, some of them are interesting, but you know, it's... Okay, I'll speak as a Zimbabwean. I like things that are safe. <laughs> so I like something that I know that I'm going to buy something outright. I'm going to make sure that it's going to hold its value uh, well. But that means everybody is kind of rushing to Bitcoin. Or maybe Bitcoin has become colloquial in Zimbabwe. I'm not sure for cryptocurrency. So you yeah, mentioned that. I, I think, I, I, think, I think that has been the bigger problem because people look at the value uh, and then they think, well, that's gone up a lot. Uh, maybe if I get in there, it's going to keep going up. Uh, but it is kind of the wrong mentality if you are looking at uh, these digital assets because you need to view them uh, on a case-by-case basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bitcoin serves a different purpose. People push the narrative that it's for store of value. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ethereum, uh, it's more like uh, for commercial transactions. Uh, it's like um, mainly for e-commerce stuff. Uh, you can take it off. You can look at it as uh, like uh, a payment uh, ecosystem or it's got everything in there. Uh, You can do anything you want to do in Ligas Finance. You can use Ethereum, the Ethereum ecosystem. You'll find an alternative in there. Uh, But there's also other assets beyond uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum, which have uh, different use cases, some very, very strong, like Chainlink, for example, which is solving the data oracle problem uh, because uh, with these smart contracts, for them to be triggered, you need to make sure that the data which is going into the smart contract is reliable and correct. So if you don't have these data oracles, uh, your smart contracts may not be as effective as you want them to be. Uh, so the, the, you you have to view each asset uh, on its own merits and what it's doing. Uh, you've got Hedera. Uh, I think some people may have heard of Hedera, which has a token called HBAR, uh, which is being backed by some big, big corporations. You've got companies like Boeing, You've got LG, uh, you've got uh, Standard Bank, the South African branch actually of Standard Bank is part of that ecosystem. Uh, you've got Google uh, and you've got, um, I think they've had many banks, many banks joining them, some from South Korea. Uh, it's becoming one of the more corporate uh, commercial kind of platform uh, for tokenizing uh, items. Uh, I, I think it's been used by the UK NHS uh, for tracking the um, temperature for vaccines. So as you can see, 
each and every one of these assets have got uh, a use case uh, and the token is at the center of what they are doing uh, and you need to understand what the ecosystem is and what how important that token is in that ecosystem uh, because that's what determines uh, whether it has uh, potential in the future. So it's not like most people take it as a guess game uh, or I'll buy Dodge because Elon Musk has endorsed it and uh, because of that, it's going to become big. So that would be pure speculation. Uh, but if you are buying uh, with a good understanding of what the technology is uh, and how you think in the future it will sit in this whole digital currencies ecosystem and the blockchain ecosystem uh, as a whole, then you are likely to uh, make sound decisions. Okay. So it's basically as as, uh, we had William Chu, uh, who was a a Bitcoin enthusiast a while back, and he basically, you basically mirroring what he said is like, yeah, you know, go and see what they're being used for, research for yourself, Um, understand, you know, the use case for each, because it's always, I guess it's kind of this involved mentality to think of everything in in, in monetary terms. But what you're mentioning about smart smart contracts, that stuff is incredibly invaluable. Um, And the blockchain is open to more things than that, like even data storage and, and inventory and logging. So it's, you know, just go out there, see what it, um, see what, what each one does and then pick which you want to align with uh, more than, you know, trying to run with the crowd. Because as with the people who were, you know, first adopters of Bitcoin, you could be, you know, one of the early adopters of another crypto that could be, you know, or uh, another blockchain system that could be really, really um, valuable in the very near future. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Uh, and I agree with William. I know William as well. Uh, he's, uh, he's quite enthusiastic about, uh, blockchains and crypto. Uh, and, uh, you know, people like that, uh, like William, they, they are knowledgeable and, uh, he's echoing exactly the same, uh, points which I'm making here because, uh, the majority of the people are going into these things. They haven't got any knowledge of what is going on. They are simply buying and uh, they end up losing money because you've got the non-fungible tokens, NFTs, mm-hmm. uh, which are exploding now. I think uh, just yesterday, Jay-Z and uh, Jack Dorsey, the CEO for Twitter, they, they had the Twitter Spaces conversation where Jay-Z uh, and their company, which uh, got bought by Square, uh, they are going to venture into NFTs for artists uh, and uh, phenomenal technology, which will improve how uh, royalties for artists can be managed. Um, and it will cut down on things like piracy because launching an album as an NFT will mean uh, only the people who, who have permissions to play it can play it. Whereas at the moment, people can simply, uh, you know, uh, ban a CD or uh, do whatever they want to do with uh, with your music without you realizing anything out of it. Mm-hmm. So huge potential, I think, uh, which is coming out from this. Uh, and NFTs is another area being carved out of cryptocurrencies. It's a type of cryptocurrency. Uh, but with uh, a, a unique case. But then the, the, when when these technologies start to emerge, people are experimenting with it. Most of the stuff which get churned out in the first days are useless. 
like the NFTs which have been getting auctioned for millions in the past few months, yeah. uh, including Jack Dorsey's own first Twitter uh, on when 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 he set up Twitter, the first tweet he sent, uh, it got auctioned for millions, but. Uh, yeah, people say they would be value because that was the very first tweet sent. Uh, but you also then get some who are having NFTs for sneakers. Uh, you can have a, an NFT for a sneaker which is more expensive than the actual shoe. Uh, <laughs> but it's only, it's only an NFT. You are not yeah. even gonna wear it. So, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. You just have to be more sensible. Uh, when the technology first gets founded, uh, people get excited about it, just like the uh, dot-com bubble when the internet came up. Uh, some will not make it. Others will be very successful. So it all falls on your due diligence and also making sure that you are diverse uh, because no one can tell you that, you know, what the future looks like. Mm. Yeah, true. I think it's, it's, um, it's, it's the, the, the lesson there is never to get swept up. Uh, especially in things you don't understand, uh, and that's been the case. I, I I'll, I'll admit to that um, with 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 Bitcoin, but joining like um, conversations as well as trying it out for myself, um, seeing what works, what what doesn't, failing. But you know, again, failures is is is, yeah. a, is a prerequisite of anything you're going to try and do. Um, and it. and no cutting corners because that's the thing. Scams have become a really big problem, and more so in Zim where there is no uh, comprehensive legislation. Uh, or e- even a framework, um, you know, for for uh, for cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, um, it then just means you know people are told, oh no, you know, invest in us, send us your money, like what happened in in, in um in the UK with those two um, South African brothers, I forgot their name, who ran away with billions of dollars worth of Bitcoin. Um, you know, it's it's you know, yeah, from like, South Africa, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, Afri Crypt, I think it was called. So it's it's that, you yeah. know, we'll make it easier for you. And William, I remember when I was talking to him, he even said the same thing, like, there is no easy way to this. <laughs> You're going to have to learn how to do it yourself. If you, you, want to. you have to learn how to do it yourself. And and that that is the whole theme about this. Uh, and people will get in because they want to get rich quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are the ones who lose money because if you are in for the technology and you want to learn, you want to understand how it works before you start uh, messing around and putting a lot of money into it. Uh, And if you are not investing the money yourself, you are actually not investing in yourself because you are not going to gain the skills. If you give the money to someone to go and do it for you, uh, then you run the risk that maybe uh, they may not be genuine and uh, you you end up losing money. Um, I, I think the best investment people can make is not buying the tokens, but investing in the knowledge required to be able to understand how this works. Uh, because un- until, until this day, there are still people who believe that uh, these are all pyramid schemes and they are all scams. Uh, but, you know, if you are to take a close look at it, you will see um, that there is some uh, real value being created there. Uh, and if you look at how the uh, conversation is turning into central bank digital currencies, where banks, uh, where central banks and countries are thinking of launching their own 
kind of cryptocurrency, but which is a variant of the national currency. Uh, you can you can see that you know the technology is uh, on on strong grounds, strong strong foundations, uh, and uh, it, it can only grow from here. Uh, it, it's it is what it is. It's a second layer on the internet, a layer which enables people to pay and exchange value without using uh, the methods which currently exist. Because if you think about it, the biggest innovation in payments in the past year, I mean, in the past decades, has been uh, plastic card payments. Uh, and we've never really moved from plastic card payments because uh, it kind of tests the limits of what the existing technology can deliver. Uh, and we st- it's still mad with problems for cross-border payments uh, where you may require the issue of correspondent banking to be able to move money around. Uh, but with, with, with cryptocurrencies or, or, or digital assets, as I would want to call them, uh, they step in to bridge that gap. It's like the native currency for the internet, uh, which doesn't require a government or anyone to, to regulate it, uh, how, how it comes into circulation or how it's used or how it moves across borders. Uh, there's a lot of potential even for international trade settlements. Uh, it will become very, very easy because if you want to pay a supplier who is best, uh, maybe in a country where the payment systems are not so good, uh, you can easily get them to download their wallet. They give you their wallet address. You pay them and they deliver the goods. Uh, so it will make uh, transacting even more easier. It goes beyond simply uh, the speculation, uh, which will always be there because people are people. We get greedy. We want to make more money. Uh, but there are some serious, serious use cases, especially with imaging stable coins as well, which uh, keep their value. Uh, they are not volatile assets. Uh, and I think this is where... Uh, you know, there's a lot of potential for our economies, especially because stable coins are very invaluable. Best, best, I think best technology out there. Uh, you don't lose value. You keep uh, the assets in your wallet. Uh, you can pay wherever you want. Uh, you don't have to worry because I've been speaking to a lot of businesses who are struggling to pay suppliers. Um, because of the restrictions on the payment networks. Uh, some businesses can't advertise even on, on Twitter or on, on Facebook from Zimbabwe because they can't pay for it. Uh, all these problems in the future eventually, uh, they will get resolved. Uh, and um, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of potential there. Uh, it's technology which shouldn't be dismissed uh, from the first look. And I'm, I'm, I'm seeing in Zoom, like, adoption has been kind of rolled back because I think the first reason is education on Bitcoin is very scarce, on, on cryptocurrency and blockchain in general is very scarce. Secondly, um, the lack of exchanges for people to experiment because in most cases, some people don't like formal education to learn about something. They learn, you know, tactile using, you know, buying and selling and, you know, understanding what it does through experience. I don't. And then the, the third reason is that the government hasn't has the government and the reserve bank have just refused to 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 see cryptos in in 
in any sort of good light, not even allowing crypto exchanges, which is kind of frightening because when we're in a system where, um, if something like, like yesterday when the, the ZSS shared services went down, we saw, you know, outages for banks, you know, for some of their functions and in a mm. system that has crypto, I mean, you know, you have a workaround, people have a fallback, they have an option. Um, so I think we don't see the potential of, of and saying crypto and blockchain is very reductive, in, 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 for, especially for me, because there's so many things you can actually do with it uh, beyond it's just being the quote unquote monetary value. So it's it's kind of sad that... Yeah, that yes, that I, I, I totally agree with you. And uh, I think uh, regulators will need to look at it uh, from a different perspective. Uh, I don't think banning uh, works. Uh, it only makes it more obscure. It, it makes it go underground. Uh, right now, it doesn't mean people are not doing crypto. They mm-hmm. are doing it, but the government doesn't have an idea what the volumes are. Uh, because uh, in South Africa, the volumes are really uh, surprising for peer-to-peer because there is a uh, uh You can check, uh, I think it's called um, Useful Tulips. That's the website. You can see the volumes by region. And in South Africa, it's going up the roof, the volumes. Uh, they are talking of millions being traded in in in, in a month. Uh, and that, that is an economy in itself, uh, which is growing. Uh, but then if you look at Zimbabwe, that data is simply not available, uh, because, uh, there are no ways of monitoring it. Uh, but, but, but also we are the ones who probably would need this technology more because our payment infrastructure as well is not as good. Uh, in South Africa, you can pay pretty much anyone, anywhere, uh, using the systems there. Uh, in Zimbabwe, trying to pay anyone who is outside Africa or even in Africa, uh, mm. can present some challenges in itself. Uh, and like you mentioned with the Zim switch going down yesterday, you get the payment infrastructure going down and people are unable to do transactions. And the same works with, applies with the visa. Visa network sometimes experiences blackouts because you, you, you have a single point of failure where if uh, the servers get taken down, then everything goes down with it. Uh, but with blockchains, so long as there is internet connectivity and electricity, then uh, the blockchain will keep going. Uh, Bitcoin blockchain uh, never had downtime since it launched. It carries on every day, even though you can have one country having a blackout. We've seen with China miners uh, leaving uh, the Bitcoin blockchain, though the the, the hash rate has gone down, uh, it's still working perfect. Uh, so it's one of those things that uh, people need to look at, regulators need to look at, policymakers need to look at, and um, see, look at the benefits uh, and see how to mitigate the risks. Yeah. So speaking of regulators, how, how how have you been doing with the with the bill you've been uh, you've been trying to push through? Yeah, it's 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 been a bit difficult uh, trying to get consensus and trying to educate people first uh, because I I think that's where the main battle is. The battle is not on getting people to use it, but it's on getting people to know the benefits and uh, understand it. 
then uh, if we are able to go past that, uh, I've been trying to uh, speak to quite a few uh, players in the industry, uh, trying to reach out to uh, major players in financial services, uh, trying to raise the profile for this issue and uh, push it onto the national agenda. Uh, I think I, I featured on the financial markets in Daba, which uh, occurred a few weeks ago, and uh, there were some industry players who were taking part on those platforms. So I, I, it's still, I haven't made as much progress as I would have wanted, uh, but we are moving uh, slowly. Uh, but yeah, we, we just have to keep pushing. And uh, I, I, I'm inviting any other parties who may be interested to push this forward so that uh, we can uh, probably try to get those in parliament to understand because it's happening globally. Um, you, you may know that uh, um, El Salvador has gone to the length of actually making Bitcoin legal tender, yeah. which means they are developing the infrastructure there, which will be used at a national scale uh, for paying using Bitcoin. Their economy like ours, uh, has a massive, massive input from remittances from diaspora, uh, because with those remittances, when people send money from abroad, some of the money remains from in in the countries where they are sending from in fees. So, uh, with we with these solutions which are out there, like with the adoption of Bitcoin, they are saying that's going to ensure that uh, most of the money actually reaches uh, the people who are. Uh, the recipients of it rather than remaining in the U.S. economy. Uh, and uh, they are getting support with uh, a major IT infrastructure company or space. They use space satellites called yeah. Blockstream. They are going to support this to have connectivity for sending Bitcoin transactions using satellites. Uh, and they, they've already developed a wallet which will be rolled out on a national level, they are actually going to airdrop $30 worth of Bitcoin to every adult in El Salvador <laughs> because they see this. <laughs> I know it, it, it sounds insane, especially at this time. You wouldn't think anything like this would happen in the lifespan of Bitcoin. Uh, it's happened really quicker than I think most people had imagined. So they are going to airdrop Bitcoin to every citizen worth $30 and they will encourage them to spend it, not to hold it. Uh, so in a way, they are going to upskill the whole population on how this works. And they are also pushing initiatives for mining Bitcoin using uh using volcanoes uh, because they they've got they get volcanoes happening there so they are using uh, I think it's called geothermal energy I'm not very familiar with that uh, but they are going to use that energy and divert it to mine Bitcoin using clean energy uh, because that they will generate that energy from volcanoes so the, it's quite a big initiative and it's uh, gained a lot of traction with major blockchain companies actually saying they will they will support this initiative i think uh, a company which makes bitcoin atms is going to ship 1500 
ATMs into El Salvador to support this initiative. So you are getting infrastructure developed. Uh, it, it's it's actually attracting foreign direct investment into El Salvador, and they've accompanied it with good policies. Like uh, if you have, uh, I think, two bitcoins, they will offer you citizenship in El Salvador. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which 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 is an interesting social experiment. Yeah, and uh, if it succeeds, it's going to rip the book uh, on economics. Uh, it's going to set new boundaries, but that's also encouraged other countries like Paraguay. They announced that they are going to pass a bill as well. I'm not sure whether they'll make it legal tender or they'll do something different. Uh, quite quite a few uh, countries in that region which uses US dollar as their currency are uh, actually ditching the dollar uh, or not ditching it, but minimizing its use. Uh, and adopting these uh, new emerging technologies uh, for the advantages which they bring for their in in, in their unique uh, circumstances. Interesting, hey, man. Like I'm just looking at it. I'm just looking at how far behind Zimbabwe is, um, because hey, you it's it's so perfect for what we for what we're trying to achieve. You know, you hear the minister of finance saying we need to you know uh, in, you know induce more local transactions with local currencies. With, with the local currency, but you're like, yeah, we don't necessarily need to have a local currency in a sense. We can use local currency alongside digital currencies and seeing countries, you know, in other countries, in other parts of the world doing, you know, stepping it up. By the time we emerge from this slumber we're in of, you know, USD, you know, bond notes and whatnot, the surrounding countries are going to be 10, 20 years ahead of us in terms of, 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 um, of advancement yeah. because they are already building this infrastructure on top of what they already have. Uh, like South Africa, I think uh, it's gone in 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 the in in a good direction with this kind of technology. Uh, they haven't gone for a ban. They're allowing crypto companies to use the banking infrastructure. Uh, they've uh, had a lot of investment in the region of millions uh, of external companies investing in developing. Uh, payments systems using fintech uh incorporating cryptocurrencies so there there is uh, a huge huge potential that if we were to go down that route and uh, i think the other problem which uh most people look at is they see digital currencies as just tokens they just see bitcoin and they think oh that's that's as far as it goes but these tokens have led to the development of some of the uh, best technologies I've seen so far in nearly every sector, uh, even digital IDs. I know there's uh, Victor Punga, if you've come across him, yeah. who is uh, he, he's a startup one, uh, the World Economic Forum uh, in, Innovative Pioneer, Pioneer, a Pioneer Award for the technology they are building on a blockchain called Algorand, which has a coin called Algo. It's for digital IDs, sovereign digital IDs. So you are not only looking at just the tokens, but these spin-outs which come out of those blockchains which may be tokenized, uh, but uh, the technology which is being built on top of it may have nothing to do with the tokens, uh, but it may simply utilize the tokens for it to work. So there's quite a lot which is going on there, and I think uh, it really needs serious consideration. And if you think about China 
uh, who are some of the close partners for Zimbabwe, they've actually made blockchain part of their national strategy. They are investing millions in this sector. Uh, there's this initiative called the Chinese Blockchain Services Network, uh, which includes Ethereum. Uh, it's got major, most of the major public blockchain networks. They are part of that initiative, and uh, it's all funded by the Chinese government. So though they are turning around and saying, no, we, 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 are, we don't want Bitcoin mining here, uh, they are actually um, funding some of the infrastructure which is in this industry using technology built, using those uh, uh, tokens which they don't like. Mm. So they are tapping on, on it. Uh, and uh, yeah, it, it is it is huge. And I don't know why uh, they haven't been as influential in our policy making as well, uh, because they've already picked it up and they are running with it. Well, I I, I think that the, the uh, this is just my own speculation that the low East policy that started when I was in high school, I think picked and choosed what things, what aspects of of uh, of, of Eastern way of doing things uh, are going to be impl- implemented in Zimbabwe. Uh, I, to be honest, uh, maybe it's a case of there's a lack, lack of understanding when it comes to these things at at, at um, especially at the parliamentary level that floating something like you know blockchain technology and cryptocurrency is something that is so foreign. People are still trying to get to grips with fiat currencies, you know, acquiring them. Uh, you know, uh, people of a certain generation. I'm not saying they're closed-minded or anything, but it's a challenge to try and learn those things anew. Um, mm. So that might be holding, you know, us back in that respect. But then, you know, fortune favors the bold. Um, if we don't try, especially in Zimbabwe, it was such a unique case um, in terms that our payment system has been a mess for the better part of, of two decades. It, it's it's the it's the one I don't think it, it will solve the, all the problems, but it will at the very least give people more avenues to explore. And we would see, I think, a blossom of technology in Zimbabwe, not just you know the, the benefit of, of financial services. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I, I always talk about this example of something which uh, could become meaningful for the, the the general person on the street if fintechs are allowed to play with this technology and deploy it. Uh, if you look at tokenization, what it is, it's simply using technology to have a representation of physical assets uh, on the blockchain. Mm. So the same concept can be used with the gold which we export. Uh, if you had local companies which want to buy the gold and issue some tokens on the blockchain, which represent uh, the gold they hold in reserves uh, and have those reserves auditable. Mm. Uh, that, that could have a local circulating uh, token which holds value and can enable people to transact on a national level. Uh, and if those abroad even want, they could actually buy that token because it's like selling gold but in a digital form. Uh, mm-hmm. And people hold the token, it appreciates as the value of God goes up or it goes down as the value of God goes down. So you, you, you have the gold standard, the usual gold standard, because I, I, I'm sure a lot of people, I've had a lot of people wondering, uh, what backs fiat currencies. Most people still think they are backed by gold, but they are, they are not anymore. Uh, and most people get surprised. <laughs> yeah, most people get surprised. They are only backed 
by you know by uh by governments which issue them it's the trust we have in the governments which issue the currencies which keep them to hold their value uh and the military might like the US dollar it's backed by the military might of the US so uh we we could have a local token it doesn't need to be a project being run by the government it just needs to be a transparent company which issues this token on a blockchain uh and they have the gold reserves uh, and these gold reserves can even be kept at the reserve bank if they think uh they don't want to end up with fraud taking place they can keep the gold at the reserve bank this company issues tokens uh the gold is there it can be verified that they still hold it they can only issue tokens which are equivalent to the number of um i mean to the amount of gold they have and it can be it can be tradable uh people can exchange it for for us dollars which means the the foreign currency we are worried about leaving the country we can actually keep it and preserve it for other useful things like exports uh and then because most people are keeping money i was watching um uh i was reading an article about someone who had their house burned i don't know whether this is true, a true story or it's one of the made up fake news uh, but someone uh, i had they had money 10000 in their house uh in the stored in the fireplace and someone set fire in there and uh it all burnt in the house uh and they lost the money so people are keeping us dollars in mattresses and under their beds because that's the only way they can preserve their value but if they can have something which they know can hold value like these gold tokens they may have no incentive of holding cash dollars in their house because they will simply buy the gold tokens and this all amount of us dollar which is locked away in bedrooms can go into circulation uh and uh help the country uh you know with more important stuff which require actual us dollars uh, yeah it's it's yeah it's biggest belief as to why for example cryptos were refused from the uh, reserve bank of zimbabwe's fintech sandbox um you know just flat out no reason why just flat out refusal yeah um, that that was that was a huge disappointment especially for me because uh for that fintech uh, policy to get pushed forward i think i may have played a a significant role because i've been lobbying the reserve bank uh, to push this out for a long time uh and uh it had been when when i i actually got the privilege to review the policy before uh it it was launched and mm. i provided feedback on it uh at the time it didn't exclude cryptocurrencies it came to me as a shock when it got published that cryptocurrencies had been put on there as excluded mm. uh which kind of came as a shock to me because i was quite positive that this sandbox which got rolled out was going to include cryptocurrencies in it uh but yeah, there we there we are uh, i i'm not sure i still speculate as to why uh they got taken out uh but i i never got a, a good reason uh why because uh, since then nobody answers my emails if i email them so i i can only assume that maybe some uh some some people uh from maybe with political power may have 
um, influenced it. Mm. Yeah, it'll be a shame because it's, it's, it, it just it um, reinforces or resets that old adage that you know people fear what they don't understand, um, which can be easily remedied. Remedied, I think, by uh, stuff like blockchain technology and cryptocurrency being part of the curriculum. You know, if they really you know were afraid of it, that you know they could themselves run test beds off crypto, you know, in, in controlled environments like the fintech sandbox, which is what it was designed to actually do to be a sanitary environment to test out these technologies to see if they're for yes. worthy of adoption. Yes. That, that is exactly why um, these sandboxes are developed in most countries because it enables the regulators to have an opportunity to understand the technology. Uh, it can be tested live on the market under their supervision. If there are parts of it which they don't like, they can say, oh, you can't be doing this. Let's, uh, how, how, how about if we do it this way? And when these technologies have been tested and they've been seen to be mature enough to be rolled out on a national scale, then that's only when they can be rolled out. So it, it would have been, have been a perfect opportunity, uh, to afford to the youth so that they can build, uh, some of the, payments infrastructure which is lacking at the moment uh, they could experiment with it under supervision and uh, who knows maybe we could have built uh, something more 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 interesting than um, than what we know now uh, and also interestingly central bank digital currencies were excluded from that sandbox as well Mm. Uh, which which uh, came as more of a shock as well to me because currently the trend is that nearly every country is in a race to test a central bank digital currency. Uh, and for this, uh, you know, most of them are using, they're tapping the knowledge from the private sector because this knowledge is not there. Technical expertise is simply unavailable in the public sector. Mm. So they need to use a private sector companies to come in uh, and uh, advise, provide information. Uh, there's a company called MTech, uh, we, we, which was built by a lady who is doing very, very well uh, in terms of central bank digital currencies. Uh, she's been testifying uh, in US Congress. She's been uh, in Kenya, I think. She helped design the Kenyan regulatory sandbox. Uh, very forward thinking, you know, a uh, young uh, black woman who is uh, championing this. And uh, central bank digital currencies, that is the future because if any country doesn't have one, they will get eclipsed by the countries which have because uh, it's more accessible. Uh, it means your citizens could end up having more access to, say, the Chinese yuan that they have to your local currency simply because it's available on a digital platform. So that means you could end up with your currency suffering because uh, so long someone can find a way of moving their assets onto that digital currency, then they will be trading, trade will be happening without any flaws coming through you because people uh, are simply transacting online. Uh, and uh, it is an immediate agent matter which requires addressing, uh, but that is up for the central bank and they've excluded 
central bank digital currencies from the sandbox, which means no one will be able to develop any technology for uh, to, to help them with the expertise. So we are actually creating a, a skills gap uh, because one, we don't have any technical, or we may have, but it's limited technical expertise for cryptocurrencies because, again, they are not allowed. Uh, then central bank digital currencies are a development from cryptocurrencies. If you don't have the former, then you are going to find it difficult to deploy the latter because you need the technology. Yeah. So we are going to have a skills gap as well. Um, as well as not being able to have people people actually transacting in it, uh, I, I would have thought uh, for for our in our position in Zimbabwe, mobile phones people use Echo Cash easily, and more uh, it's actually well Zimbabwe could actually leapfrog most African countries uh, or even Western countries in terms of adoption. Uh, of these technologies because we are always, already familiar with mobile money. Mm. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Did we, the, it, it's just now the education telling people um, in, in the simplest way possible what um, what cryptocurrency are and viewing it in the same light as EcoCash and other mobile money. Um, you could really help, you know, push it along. But again, for whatever reason, uh, the, the guys upstairs don't really, really enjoy crypto is being in the conversation so i want to wrap up uh just with your thoughts on um there's a company that is that came into zimbabwe or was coming to zimbabwe last week called campaign uh the digital currency they're saying they're going to help um uh farmers um, in a sense and also your thoughts on zimbo cash zash um and you know is there a future for it is it ever coming back i don't know if you've heard anything about them or of them uh, I've I've spoken to the guys uh, at Zash. Um, I, I think they 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 had done something good when uh, they started this off. Um, though I I'm not very confident in uh, how um, you know how the token is backed because I think that that is one of the key problems which uh, most cryptocurrencies face. Uh, if it's not backed by anything. Uh, you need to create some value in it. And that is the major challenge, having that value develop. Uh, and if it's limited geographically to only one country, uh, the network effects are quite difficult to, to push forward unless uh, there is something else you are going to do with it. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think we need this kind of stuff happening uh, because you only find out after you've, tried it uh, that whether it works or whether it doesn't work so I think it is something which we should be encouraging to happen we need to have more uh, more more companies uh, or more projects uh, launching uh, current digital tokens uh, for, for, for various use cases and we, we need to experiment because you see the problem we have is different from the problem which uh, maybe in Europe or in the US because their economies are well advanced. Maybe for us, it doesn't have to be uh, any any of these tokens like Bitcoin. Maybe ours needs to be one which is backed by 
maybe a bucket of uh, of maize, maybe <laughs> you know things, things like that. Bag yeah, bag <laughs> <laughs> you you could have one token, yeah, or 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 one which represents uh, a cow or mm. a goat. Uh, mm. But you know, if we don't uh, encourage uh, participants to get involved in this space and do try experiment it with it uh we, we are never going to know and we we will lose out in that because some of this uh has been developed from people in their bedrooms uh and some of it has become life-changing technology like bitcoin for example uh, launching through a white paper and now ending up being adopted at a national level by a whole country uh, being bought by a corporation like Tesla holding Bitcoin on their balance sheet. Uh, you know, it started very, very small. There is potential. Uh, maybe the form when we start may be different to the actual outcome, the actual result we get, but we need to start it off from somewhere. And I think Zimbo Cash, uh, is a, is a, is a good. Uh, good start from it. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I haven't heard about the one you mentioned, which is, uh, coming in to help farmers. Uh, but I think, you know, this conversation needs to be had on a national level. Um, government, government actually needs to be promoting this. Uh, we need to have the Minister of ICT, uh, promoting these, uh, kind of hubs where, uh, people can experiment with this technology and uh, see what push it to the limits and see what it can do for us uh, because we are not in the same position as anywhere else in the world. We have our own local problems which require local solutions. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we don't have our own developers who are um, well conversant with the technology, we are simply going to wait to adopt technology which was never built for us. Which is the biggest problem Zimbabwe and Scribe about 90% of the time is, oh, why don't we have our own WhatsApp? Why don't we have... I'm like, yeah, you know, we could, but we, we, there's no conducive environment for those kind of systems to, to come up. Had, you know, people, had ICT education come in early in terms of computer programming, uh, coming early into schools in the early 2000s. I know it, it did come in ICDL, but what we're seeing now with um, Maker Club and the, you know, coding for kids, had that stuff come in a lot earlier and at a, at a national scale, we wouldn't be having issues where we can't build tech for ourselves. Similarly with, with, with cryptocurrency, I think it should be part of, you know, economics, you know, in, in high school, getting a grips of what cryptocurrency is, letting people actually specialize in it. I'm, I'm sure there are some academies opening up in Zimbabwe. I'm not, I'm not quite sure of, of, of which ones they are, but I've heard murmurings that people are trying to, you know, kind of teach each other or about, about cryptos. Uh, and then blockchain technology in general. But again, it, it all falls to without a legal sort of framework because Zimbabwe, it's, 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 as much as one would want to think super forward, you'd have to think how things actually work. It has to be first an act of parliament. So fortunately, we have you, you know, pushing um, something for blockchain technology. Hopefully they can soon adopt some something of what you're saying uh, or, or what you've written, either in part or in full. It'll be a good step, similar with the cybersecurity uh, bill they were, they were pushing last year. Uh, but you know, without the, the scaffolding, um, to, to, to make the, the, the it ideas. Falls, it falls made. apart, especially, yeah. especially for me. I think having, uh, legislation which helps, uh, companies which want to invest in the technology locally, mm. uh, it, it, it gives them an assurance that the rug is not going to be pulled from underneath them. 
because uh, you you are not going to go and start building a technology which will cost you time and money and then find out at the end of it that uh, it's not going to be allowed for use. So that, that, that is the, the problem which is there now. There is that vacuum, a vacuum of skill, a vacuum of investment, uh, and a vacuum of uh, regulation. So the, the regulation can be a way to say the door is open, you can do it then it enables other companies then to put a budget towards it and uh, start building technologies. Or if it's not a local company doing it, there will be players on the international scene who would be interested in uh, investing the money in the local market to make it happen. Uh, because uh, this is how all these uh, technologies which are now emerging uh, have come about. It's been mainly through uh, crowdfunding. Uh, so none of it has been funded by the government with Bitcoin being starting off as being something which was uh, more um, more of revolutionary rather than uh, something being coming from corporates because the, the usual way these technologies normally develop is we retail get them from corporates. They develop it and they sell it to us. Uh, but Bitcoin was a bit different and cryptocurrencies generally, they have been a bit different. They didn't start from corporates. They've started from the grassroots. And then the corporates have realized, wow, the people have already, it's caught on, the people are already on it. Uh, they've already pushed it higher and uh, they've, they've then joined in. So you, you are looking at that kind of stuff. Uh, it requires uh, good good legislation to support it, especially now because we are already behind with it. The only way we can now fast track it and cover the gap would be if we can make the environment friendly for uh, startups to be able to do it. Yeah, definitely. Prosmo, thank you very much for your time. Uh, yeah, we, we, should, we should make this more frequent uh, than, than it was, not months apart, but probably weeks apart. Yeah, that would be great. I would be happy to do that as well because this is a very fast-moving uh, space uh, with a lot of developments going on, uh, especially in the US. Uh, uh, crypto is already really, really big, uh, though there are some issues still with regulation. Uh, it's already gone really big and it's moving at a faster pace than uh Anything I have seen uh, on a daily basis, new developments, new big companies coming in, uh, banks right now queuing up to offer crypto uh, over the, the, the counter for their clients in the US. Uh, it's, uh, it's growing in, at a phenomenal rate, uh, probably faster than the internet grew. Mm. Yeah, true that. And obviously, uh, was it last month when uh, core banking system provider terminals was like our new systems are going to support cryptocurrencies for banks who onboard our systems? Again, just shows that, yeah, you know, if, if institutions like that are taking it seriously now, I know, you know, uh, Wall Street and whatnot did it. But when when you see, you know, companies that are are the, the you know, the, the skeleton of the financial institution institutions now saying, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll allow it. Uh, or we'll let we'll support it. It it it, it shows a lot. Uh, and again, Zimbabwe is quite behind on that. So yeah, man, I'll I'll we'll, we'll touch base again. Now uh, we should have another one um, on on cryptos. More probably more focused on 
um, you know, the applications of blockchain technology in Africa and specific use cases. Because today was more of a general conversation where I just picked your brain on, you know, a number of different things that are running in my mind. Yeah, definitely. I think talking about the other use cases which are outside crypto uh, may open uh, more more light on how um, how wide uh, this technology can go. But I think most people just got excited about the tokenization side of things mm. and the money making. And that's where everyone flocked. Uh, but they are missing the bigger picture. All right. Thank you very much, Prosper. Uh, yeah, I'll, we'll be in touch and we'll, we'll, we'll have yet another one. All right, Valentine. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. Cheers. Cheers.